I feel like this is a common theme in our relationship and marriage of we sort of like figure something out, especially professionally, and we hit a stride. And then we realize like, oh, are we maybe like sacrificing our relationship Mm. for this success or to have this thing? Welcome to Something More Human. I'm Sam. And I'm Elliot. We're a married couple exploring human connection and its impact on ours, our guests, and our listeners' lives. Join us in creating something more human. So thank you guys again. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you. It's kind of fun because Elliot doesn't really know who you are. I gave him like a little dossier, like they have two Mm -hmm. kids, they've been married for 11 years, Mm -hmm. like all that kind of good stuff. But can you help us and our listeners get kind of an overview of maybe milestones of the two of you? You coming to Albuquerque or coming back, meeting, getting married, having sure. kids, starting a business, those kinds of yeah. big things. So we've known each other since middle school, which is crazy. Also feels very on brand for New Mexicans. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So no surprise to <laughs> some of your viewers and listeners. So we met at Jefferson and strangely, our families knew each other. Of so it's like in the stars. Yeah. Very bizarre through football and then like through work. But we found that out. I think we're going to homecoming together. And my mom was like, George Carter, is he related to George and Evelyn Carter? And I was like, yeah, those are his grandparents. So it was hilarious. So right away, like we had this funny connection, but we were just friends in middle school. I'm a year older, which makes me cringe a little bit saying that. (laughs) Nine months if we're really counting. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I did graduate a year earlier. And then um, in high school, we were just friends, like just like we ran track together uh, for a couple of years. He played football. I played soccer and swam. So we kind of like would see each other out on the field. And George was quite the ladies man. <laughs> uh, so and I was like the one person who was like, I don't see what everyone sees in him. Classic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know if that was like part of my game or like it was actually true. Quite. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and then I think just like we were walking to biology or something. And I was like, hey, you want to hang out sometime? And he's like, yeah, sure. So you were the pursuer, maybe. I was the pursuer. Is that how you remember it? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I do remember that. There was a trip to homecoming in there. She was actually dating one of my friends at the time. He was, he had gone off to school. I didn't have a date. Tova didn't have a date. So it was more of like a friend's thing. But then I think there was also just like a little bit more energy there than we both anticipated. And so went and had a really good time at homecoming. But disclaimer, Um, we we didn't hook up. Yeah, nothing happened. I mean, it was just, it was just a good time. Yeah. Dancing and, you know, just, yeah, I mean, we had completely different friends friend circle. So it was just a really cool experience. Um, and then on the way to science class, yeah, she got me. Yeah. And then I think we watched like horror movies. We did. We went to like Hastings and got yeah, Rest in peace. DVDs. Yeah, exactly. RIP yeah. Hastings, man. Jeez. Yeah. And we watched like Nightmare on Elm Street, maybe. Yep. Like couldn't think and of. <laughs> the sixth day, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> sci-fi. Yeah. Is That's a good movie. It was pretty good. Hell yeah. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then we were like inseparable after that. Yeah, that was kind of it. So is that the point where you started dating and like formally we're starting to date? No, it's funny. We like years ago went back and looked like we kept all of our letters we exchanged and we looked back and realized our anniversary is wrong. Like we officially started dating in September, but somehow we always thought it was October. 
no, I mean, it's hard. Like we took a short little break, um, like a month in and I was, you know, I was kind of a, a hard gal. <laughs> I was like kind of on the <laughs> fence. Like the boyfriend before George was away at college and he was kind of a nightmare. So I was kind of like still recovering from that. And so it took a little bit of time to like, okay, we're going to do this. And George was hilarious because he, he always talked about getting married. Like, Ooh. yeah, there was a song he loved in high school and he would always like sing the lyrics to me. And it was about like having car seats in the back of the car wow. and like being together. And I was like, full circle, maybe, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> now like, we do. Yeah. Yeah. It is full circle. Yeah. But we had so much fun together. Like, I cannot think of someone who makes me laugh more. Like, we had a blast. Like, instant best friends. Like, his family would always laugh because his room was downstairs. And they'd be like, what are you guys doing down there? Because we would just be, like, <laughs> just Yucking it up. Yeah, for hours on end. But he just was, like, it's just such a good person. Like, he was just so kind. He made me feel so safe. He was so funny. And I just loved that. And my friends loved him. Like, it was just such a good, like, we had very different friend groups, but everyone loved him. Like, all my guy friends were a little terrified of him and intimidated, but <laughs> it was fine. Everyone embraced him. Everyone embraced him. Yeah. And everyone knew, like, we had all been friends and knew each other. Like, it was just such a small community from, like, Monta Vista to Jefferson to Albuquerque High. So we all kind of knew each other anyway. Um, but it was so fun. And then I... Went to Loyola in New Orleans. Oh, cool. For a short time. And we, I just, I shouldn't have come home, but I did. I missed George. I missed my family. It was just such a big transition. So I transferred back to UNM and I was at UNM for a short time and then transferred. I hated UNM. It was too big. And we were just like, we were not clicking in college. Like we were just kind of doing our own thing. We were both really young. And so we, we're just taking kind of frequent breaks in our relationship. So I decided to transfer out and I went to USF in San Francisco. So that was nice. George took me there and I was just kind of excited to like, I just didn't want to be in Albuquerque. Yeah. I mean, we, we kept in touch and we, I mean, we're, we were together, but we definitely kind of had like open relationship and it was just a good time to kind of be with friends mm -hmm. and just like George could focus on football and um, be with people like here in Albuquerque and I'd come visit and he would come visit and then once I was finished with school, we were kind of deciding, like, what do we do next? Uh, I started applying to grad school and just realizing, like, he wasn't quite ready to leave Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. So okay. I came. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> it's a it real really, thing. It really is. That's yeah, exactly yeah, how it went for us. So Yeah. And so I, ca I came back and kind of knew, like, I do want to move, but not sure when that's going to happen. George finished up football, and then he went to grad school at UNM. And so it was good. Like, we – those early years were hilariously fun, like, in our early 20s. Kind of wild. <laughs> we had a great friend group. Um, what, did, what did I miss? What are some <laughs> – yeah. Well, I mean, oh. yeah, I mean, in our 20s were just wild, right? I mean, we both had our first jobs. We were making good money. We moved in together, right? We, mm -hmm. we got a house. What were your first jobs, if I may ask? So I was working in the staffing and recruiting industry. I uh, was a recruiter initially and then um, moved into like account management and sales. And then Tove was the youngest store manager in the history of anthropology. Yeah. Um, yeah. The retail spot. So, yeah, that's what she was doing. Yeah, we, it was fun. It was like exactly what your 20s should be. Like we were the only friends who had a house. So we would just like throw parties every weekend and like crazy happy hours. So it was like 
kind of felt like we were pretending to be adults, but also like sometimes I'm like we were more like mature back then than we are now. Yeah, but I, I think kids. it was a, it was a critical point because I think that's like when our lives really started to come together, and I think you know one of the areas where the gears were just sort of grinding is that. Tove and I were both building our own lives, right? Like kind of in different pathways. And I think once we moved in and like started sharing similar friend groups and all of those things, like we made a very conscious decision to build our lives together. And I think that is sometimes where couples really struggle, right? Like they don't, they can never really get to that point. And I think that is where both of us like really decided, like we, we've got to commit to to each other and to the life that we're building. Like we own a house now and like we've got dogs and, you know, um, so yeah, just, it seemed like that kind of took our, our lives into a different realm in that respect. Right. And then it was just like, Sheesh, we've been together for 11 years and, you know, I think both had kind of matured and, and gotten everything out of our system. It was like, all right, let's, let's get married. Took a trip to Jamaica and, uh. Like for the honeymoon or for No, me? just. No, George proposed in Jamaica. Proposed, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I warned like seven of his friends, like if he's taking me there to propose, I'm going to say no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was like, I think I just got to the point where I was like, I really, really wanted to get married when we were in our early 20s. My best friend got married. We had a couple friends that got married. And so I was like, I want to get married when I'm like 23, 24. And we've been together so long, I kind of just assumed we would. Mm -hmm. And it didn't happen. So after a while, I was kind of like, it's not going to. And who cares? Like, I'm fine with it. So I started like assuming that he was going to propose and it was, just, it seemed like such a big trip. So I, t- I told a few of his friends, like, I'm going to say no, which was hilarious. Cause they were like, are you really going to say no? And of <laughs> course sure? I didn't. Cause we were like on the beach. It's beautiful. It's like under the moonlight. And of course I said, yes. And all of those friends knew that I was going to propose yeah, yeah. by the way. So that was the other thing. Yeah. Were they like, George, no, like abort, no, abort. No, I mean, no, not at all. Everyone was like, go for it, man. Like I had no, I had no, I caught no whiff of what was going on behind the scenes. Well, so they're, yeah. They're good friends. I yeah, think they were incredible. like, Toe's ridiculous. Yeah. Like <laughs> she's she's been this. asking for it for years. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, just do the damn <laughs> yeah. thing. And so, yeah, we went and did the damn thing and. It was incredible. So how early into marriage, what came first, kids or building a business together? Like, how was that transition? We built a business Yeah, we built kids. a business first. So we, we came back home after our, after our honeymoon, went to Thailand for our honeymoon and was working in the staffing and recruiting industry at the time um, and was just burnt out, like burnt out on corporate America, um, just didn't really find my place in the space after feeling like this was going to be the only place I would work. But after interviewing a couple times for higher level positions and just not really getting tangible feedback on how to progress my career, it was like, well, maybe if we put you in a different market, like that's going to reinvigorate your career. And so they moved us out to LA and it was exciting for like the first two weeks. And then, you know, realized we lived in Long Beach. My sales territory was in Santa Monica and Beverly Hills. So I was spending hours upon hours every single day in the car. It was just like, I'm, I'm done with that. Um, you know, and at that point, um, was just kind of like fed up with corporate America and went the complete opposite direction. Had some friends that I grew up with in Hawaii who were up in Northern California growing medical cannabis and just, you know, kind of fell in love with, with the process of the, the cultivation side and farming and agriculture. Um, and so decided to leave my very cushy corporate American career for growing weed on the side of a mountain in Northern California. What year is this? That was in 2013? Yeah, end of 2013, early 2014. I'm assuming that's, you know, 
a big risk either way, 2013 or 2023. But I mean, that was, we, that in 10 years ago was not the same that it is today. You know what I mean? So yeah. it must've been a little more of a risk in 2013 oh, than, it, than it is now, right? Yeah, big time. I mean, Colorado had just legalized, um, Washington had just legalized. Well, not yet. And California was on their way yeah. to legalizing. So kind of understanding that and seeing the landscape, it was like, look, how can I insert myself in this industry um, and le- leverage my experience working in the corporate world, having an MBA, you know, how can I deploy those skills here? And really came to find out that there it wasn't really transferable. There weren't a lot of guys who had the background or that looked like me who were interested in doing that. And so it was definitely a, a tough road for sure. But we did that for three years and, and Tove was working in the fashion industry at the time. And I was just so hopped up on, on what we were building and what we could do and the vision um, behind it all that she came over and, and joined the company with me. How did that look? Like, was there some sort of like finessing? You're like, Tovia, this is going to be so awesome. Here's my vision. Or were you like, I'm so done with this industry. I'm burnt out. Let's like put our brains together. Well, we, we lived um, in Long Beach by this marina and I laugh about it now because we'd go on daily walks usually in the morning with our dogs and if you've lived like dog culture in and walking culture in Long Beach is (laughs) like something special like everyone knew each other we were in Naples Island which is right next to Belmont so it's this really beautiful small community like probably Hermosa or like Manhattan would be the equivalent to it not as affluent but you definitely get some of that but we like people would schedule like dog play dates it's like that kind of vibe like tons of families like you know like everyone knows everyone so we'd go on our daily walk around this marina and we would just like bicker plan, organize, get it all out. (laughs) It was a lot of work talk. And so I knew George was burnt out. The trouble I was experiencing with my kind of career and job is that I just wasn't making a lot of money. That was kind of shocking to me moving from here to California, especially LA. Like I thought that either wage or salary would be slightly more competitive. So that was a huge blow to my ego. I was making less there than I was here. And it's just like you quickly realize like how, what you need to live and survive there. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so just like thinking of rent and all these things, like it just wasn't working. And I was commuting from Long Beach all the way to downtown L.A., Oh man, how and how long is that of a commute is that with traffic? That's about an hour. If you are, you know, if you have the unfortunate experience of, you know, an accident nearby, which all the time, you know, that happened almost every single day, you're looking at an hour and a half. Like it was just crazy. So I would get home and just like I was burnt out. Like it, it was really exhausting. So I was kind of already looking for other things. And it was I was working with a great group of people and Nordstrom had just acquired Hot Look, who I was working for. So there was definitely cool things on the horizon, but I just couldn't imagine a future just because of like the wages were just so low. And so George mentioned doing this and he went out first on his own, if I'm remembering correctly, and then kind of came back and was like, it's a great trip. Like Mm -hmm. we can do this thing. And so we kind of decided like I would be the home base and stay in Long Beach. We had two dogs and um, just kind of figure out like what this would look like. So he started kind of commuting and going up to the farm and I would go on occasion with him. Um, 
And then very quickly, (laughs) this is like so strange and random, but I love, love to bake. Mm. And I was like, what if we start an edibles brand? And so we were like, is this a thing? And California, it's interesting because it was federally illegal. I mean, it still is. But there was such a market and it was flourishing when we were there. Like you like delivery services and you either would find people that hated it and were completely opposed or you like, or, you know, like the other 65% were like, it's amazing. And I love it. And I get my delivery every single day or every single week. So you really saw that people were doing well and having fun. And it was just cool because it's like Instagram was still really young back then. Yeah. yeah. Were delivery services in 2013? For- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. For, for like edibles or even whatever as well. Yeah. Yeah. Flour, tinctures, everything. Yes. So it was just like, it felt sort of like limitless opportunity. It was really amazing. So it was a pretty mature market by that time. I mean, medical had been in place. Yeah. For a long time in California. And so it was just a much more and still is mature cannabis market than most other states, even states that are legal. Like it's just it's part of the culture. Like that's part of California culture. And so, yeah, I mean, the infrastructure for the industry to grow was just way different than it was in most places, right? Like there just, there just were. And so as someone who is, you know, an old school salesperson and with delicious edibles or beautiful flower, like it became somewhat easy for me to go in and I was very structured and had business cards and we had this incredible packaging and people were like, what the hell? We're used to getting this and like, Turkey bags, like what's yeah. going on here, you know? And we're like rolling in and we've got a whole thing. And so it was a it was a really unique experience, I think, for both of us. But you know, I, I like it was really difficult though at the onset mm-hmm. to work with each other because we didn't realize like at at the onset that we are great at different things, mm-hmm. right? And it was like you know, we were both trying to do the same stuff, and you know, it just there was a constant clash opposed to letting. Tove do what she does because that's what she's great at and letting George do what George does. It was like constantly just at each other. And I remember some of those walks just being like, all right, (laughs) I'm out of here. Like I'm going to go walk for miles because I got some shit I need to get out. Right. So you're just like, woo. Um, But I think that was also just like a really good gut check for us. And like we we got through the growing pains and, you know, it was interesting. The other thing I realize for people, couples that work together is all like everything collapses on itself. And that can be so brutal because your like intimate, like partnership and then your friendship. And then if your parents and then working together and then your interests. And suddenly it's like, you're doing all those things at one time. Like you're having a business meeting and then it's like, finances come up, you know, all these things. And you're like, what the hell? And that was really tough for me. Like, I think it was nice because George started going up to the farm. So it gave us a little bit of time away from each other. And I am this like hyper independent sort of like free spirit Aquarius at times. So I'm like, I need like a little bit of quiet time. And so that was nice where he could kind of go. He loves to drive and like think and listen to podcasts and we missed each other. And so that gave us some separation because it, we have often found ourselves like, I think now three times where everything is 
everything. Like we are having discussions about everything and it really should just be like about the business or, and that's what, like, that's why those walks, I laugh about them because it was like, we would literally talk about, like, I'd be like crying about friends and we'd be talking about like our budget for the week and grow, you know, it just was like too much. And so we couldn't really enjoy like our marriage or our partnership or like the work we were doing because everything was so important and everything was a priority and everything was stressful. And we had to figure out really quickly, like, we can't do that. There's so much to unpack here. Yeah, and I and want they kind of to, just hit, they do kind of boom, 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 yeah. which well, is, which is awesome. I think we're definitely in this spot where we're yeah. like, we want to put our brains together and we want to do the thing. And also I'm going to fucking strangle you sometimes, mm-hmm. which is healthy in a way, right? Like to work out the kinks. I have a couple of questions. First of all, talking about like collaborating as business partners, right? Like you do what you do best, you do what you do best and not doing it all together in the same kitchen. Would you guys consider yourselves opposites or would you consider yourselves more similar than different? How do you kind of go about that categorization? Exactly what I was going to ask them. Really? Are they opposites? Oh, that's so funny. I'll let George respond first. No pressure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think it's interesting because both Tove and I, like when you look at it from a business perspective, right? Like... We're sales and marketing people, right? And like, that's the top of a funnel at a business. And so those worlds oftentimes intersect, right? And so what does our messaging sound like? What are the customers saying? Like all of that kind of stuff, um, we both love, but we both approach from a very different perspective, right? And like, we have very different mindsets of the way that we support customers. I mean, all, all of those things. And so- Um, like, I don't know if we're opposite. We just, we just have different skill sets. Right. And I think it was really hard for us initially to understand what those differences were. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think that time away and just kind of that space and giving us, giving ourselves some room to kind of work within the company and within our roles, like things just kind of started naturally aligning, right? Like, I was really good at meetings, really good at cold calling. Tove was obviously the baker and and did a lot of that stuff on the back end. And, you know, even when we were just selling flour, like it was just we we, we began to really realize where we both fit in or Tove would start doing the cold calling and set the meetings and I would go on the meet. You know, like we just I don't know. It was really interesting. We we began to kind of just match each other, I guess you would say. Um, yeah, we begin to compliment each other. That's a great way to put it um, in that respect. So yeah, I mean, I think it's less about being opposites, but more about just kind of finding our own path and finding, you know, what, what we're good at and really staying in that lane. What about even higher level than the business, like friendship, marriage, like that kind of opposite mm. compliment George personality? Have, yeah. George and I have the exact same values. Hmm. which I think matters. Mm-hmm. What are the values? You know, family has always been paramount. You know, our family of origin matters, but we have always thought a lot about like the family we created and cultivated. Um, so creating, you know, now a space for our girls that feels like fun and safe, um, having traditions. And that did come from our, our families of origin. Um, and then, you know, what, kind of hard for them, but like taking those traditions and then like modernizing some of them and then also just making them work for our family. Um, George and I talk a lot about like 
you have to be resilient as a person. Like you have to be able to sort of like withstand the blows of life. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is like something we both hold sort of like near and dear. And we definitely can look to many times where it's like, oh, wow, that was really tough. And we had to overcome that. Um, And I think just like a genuine like respect and adoration for each other. So marriage is great, but you have to be friends with the person you're married to. And that matters so much to George and I. Like we – like this is absolutely without a doubt my best friend. Like if I have something, a secret to share, I'm telling two people, George and my sister. And mm-hmm. more often than not, like just George. But like this is someone who I value their input, their wisdom, their guidance. Um, I don't ask for help very often, but this is someone like I trust that I can ask him for help. Mm-hmm. And so like I, I think that those are probably the most important things. But I think when you kind of like – meet us, if we were to walk into a room, you'd be like, they're totally different. Hmm. Um, George is, I think, a bit more charismatic than I am. But he is funny because I'm like, oh, you cosplay as an extrovert. <laughs> and you're, he's like, de- he's deeply introverted. He gets exhausted and he wants to go home. Whereas I'm like, I would tease his friends. I'm like, you don't want to go out, George. Like, you want to go out with me because I'm going to be with you till four in the morning, like, raging like having the best time and like that was true oftentimes with his friends like we'd be up like hanging out and George would be like asleep in the room um so I am the opposite where it's like my friends fill me up and like I want to like go out like every day I have to go somewhere because I cannot be at home all day he's a homebody he's happy to stay at home like he and the girls and I'm like what in the world like I'm like I'm just gonna go to Walgreens like get some gum like was it was it always like that or or did having girls change that quite a bit as far as like being a homebody I've always been that way yeah, yeah. I've always, always been that way yeah, yeah. Um, I just there's a certain comfort level that I have with being at home and like I've as long as I've got the stuff that I need like I'm pretty content and pretty simple in that respect. And as Tove said, like I do, I get really exhausted by people and I have jobs generally where I interact with people constantly. And so like, I've got to be able to disconnect and like decompress from, from people and conversation and all of those things. And it's like, I have, you know, learn this incredible skill of being a public speaker and an orator and all of these things, but I also have to recharge. Right. And like, so I very much value my time and like, you know, I, you know, I obviously am very conscious about how I spend my time as well. Right. And like, personally, I want to spend my time doing the things that I want to do. Right. Like I spent a lot of my life doing things that other people have wanted me to do. And now as an adult, like I want to spend my time, how I want to spend it. I want to spend my time with the people I want to spend my time with and that's it. Right. And like, it's, it's that simple. And primarily like the people I want to spend my time with are my family, you know, because so many of our friends have moved away and they're different places and we still all group text and all that. And like, that's enough to fill me up. Right. Like that's, that's all I need in that respect. So yeah, like in that realm, we're completely opposite for sure. I have another question, but do you want, do you have any? Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Circling back a little bit, these talks bickering, like let's go a little bit deeper on yeah. Collaboration as people who have so many layers to your relationship, right? Like there's a friendship layer. There's this trust and adoration and respect. And there's this intimacy level where you guys really love each other on this very unique level. And then there's this collaborative business partner level. How do you navigate those conflicts? And how did you go 
Like, what did the transition look like? And let, let me add on to that really quick. I was going to ask actually about about the conflict. Things were going really well when you first started the cannabis. Sounds like things, you know, kind of started booming. Can you guys pinpoint a specific time during that? Like maybe one of the first, I don't know, disagreements or first um, roadblocks that you came to, and, and how did you, how did you deal with that? Running running business together. Can you guys <laughs> pinpoint a specific situation? Well, oh wow. And how you, yeah, how you dealt with conflict? Uh, gosh. I think for me, the thing that was tough about that and sort of like points of disagreement or discord, while I appreciated the space that George going up to the farm kind of provided for me, like, you know, you get to like do whatever you want, which was like eat hot Cheetos mm-hmm. and not make dinner and watch Real Housewives. It was like girl dinner. Seriously. Yeah. All the things that are like popular on TikTok, I'm like, I was doing, I I created that. <laughs> like you, you're watching trash TV and like rotting on my couch or, you know, going to Ulta for six hours and to find one lipstick, you know, like things like that. So it, but it did become too much. And that was hard because we then started thinking about starting a family and that did not seem possible of like, how would we even navigate that? So that I feel like was, it wasn't a point of contention, but we realized like, I feel like this is a common theme in our relationship and marriage of we sort of like figure something out, especially professionally, and we hit a stride. And then we realize like, oh, are we maybe like sacrificing our relationship Mm -hmm. for this success or to have this thing? And that has come up a lot. Like, I feel like that's a common theme of like, it's too much time spent trying to pursue this thing, to have this thing. And we have to ask ourselves like, what is it that we want? Is it financial gain? Is it, you know, what, whatever it is. And like, how, how do we get that? But like, sort of like pull back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is it going to, what is it, what is it going to cost you? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And sometimes the cost of admission is horrible for some people, you know, like, sure. and I've always like, sort of like sat with that, especially like with our time in California, like that was a hard business. Like it was federally illegal. So that was very stressful. Everyone suddenly like wants to be a part of it in this way that like, they're not contributing. You're doing the work. Um, You're literally like, we have hilarious stories of like, George had the car up North and I had to get like $3,000 worth of brownies and cookies and granola to a dispensary in Venice, California. And so I called an Uber (laughs) Oh, wow. And spent an hour and a half car ride telling this guy, like, he thought I was just, like, making cookies. So when we get to this dispensary in Venice that's next to this tattoo shop, he's like, it finally clicked what he just did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that wasn't illegal, right? Transporting. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, it's very much illegal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most, I I think most cops, like, because when you got into edibles, like, that would have been they would have had to sit and calculate to like ticket and all that stuff. But yeah, it was illegal. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like getting there, he was like, because the whole time he was telling me how he made like pralines and wanted to start this business and maybe he could talk to me about brain. It was hilarious. And then we get there and we're like unloading like these boxes. And like I had some of the people from the dispensary come out and he was like, Oh yeah. So like that was stressful of like, and our parents didn't like, my mom hated what we were doing. Like everyone thought it was super weird. We had kind of quit these 
really great jobs. And so people were like, what are you guys, have you guys lost? Like even friends were like, you guys are nuts. Like some friends kind of stopped talking to us. Interesting. Yeah. So that was hard. And then there was this whole thing of like our big picture for the business was that we wanted to start um, a VC. Like we were really passionate about, like we loved meeting other founders and entrepreneurs and we wanted to f- help people fund their businesses. In the cannabis industry or just yeah, in general? In the cannabis industry. Yeah, in the yeah. cannabis industry. In particular, like founders of color and um, queer and women. You know, like we had a very specific, like this is the type of founder like we want to help because you are marginalized and you you don't have access to funding. Impacted by the war on drugs. Yeah. So for those that don't know, VC is venture capital and still to this day, I think black founders and people of color are getting- 1% of funding. Yeah. 1%. 1%, Maybe even less. Yeah. So this, what year is this that this is your vision? So this is 2014. Okay. We felt like the farm in Northern California and then the edibles was kind of like, so we would have industry cred, so to speak, of like, we've done this. And so when we were interfacing with investors, or people in the industry, we could point to these things of like, we know what it's like to grow. Like we have this industry knowledge. And these are two people that had zero industry knowledge. Like this is someone who started smoking pot when they were like, like the year before that, before we did that. So he had like no personal experience. And so we felt like it would help our business. And so I feel like as we got further in our business, kind of to get back to the original question of like, we were writing, we were building pitch decks and pitching to investors and to have people tell you no, or tell you your idea isn't going to work or it's stupid, or it is whatever it is, or like they don't believe in you as founders, that does put a lot of strain and pressure on your, your marriage and your friendship of like, okay, whose fault is this? What did we do wrong? What are we even doing? So, I mean, that, that was tough. Um, in, in retrospect though, do you, do you still feel a little bit of that or was it just, do you still feel that maybe it was someone's fault or do you just feel like, you know, we, we tried, we did our best and we learned along the way, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I feel like we tried and we did our best. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing, but we, I mean, we built a business that sustained us for like three years, right? Like, and it was, it was up and down, but like we, we did the damn thing and we're very close to, you know, continuing to push that business forward, but we got hit with a pest issue on our farm and that like completely tanked everything. And so not having experience. Right. And you're like, wait, what the hell? Like this could happen. Like, how do you lose 80% of your crop? Like, that's crazy. Um, and that happened and that was like a really deep gut check, but that basically pulled the rug out from under us. And if that would not have happened, like we'd probably still be in California and probably would have sold the business like a few times over at this point. But like, that was the moment where it just kind of, you know, things fell apart and it was just, we were spread too thin. Right. Yeah. Um, Like our, our edible business was actually yeah, really we could have crushed popular. It. If yeah. we would have focused on that and yeah. just like did that, I think our edible business, we probably could have sold it, you know, a couple of years ago for quite a bit of money. Um, but it was just kind of this, you know, this is where Tovenized, you know, kind of stubbornness comes in, right? Like I always wanted the farm and like, that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to be out with nature and all of those things. And Tova's like, well, I want to be doing this and I'm doing it. And so it was kind of like, well, fine, you do that. And I'm going to do this. And like, yeah, that's kind of the separation I mentioned earlier of yeah. like at what cost of like do you want to pursue these things individually or do you want to have like a business together? Yeah. And you know, she got pregnant in 2016. That was like the first full year of our our farm really cranking and so it was like I'm spending 5 days a week working my tail off 
only to get in the car on a Friday evening, drive eight hours, go spend Saturday, Sunday with Tove, and then drive back up to the farm on Monday. Or she's driving up to the farm every Friday, you know, and coming up and spending Saturday and Sunday with me and then getting back down to LA. And like, that was just unsustainable, completely unsustainable. Um, but it was like, we, we had to do what we had to do. Right. And it was, we were both kind of, we were fulfilled in what we were doing, but we were also missing each other. And that was kind of a common theme, I think in our marriage as well. Right. Like even in my corporate years, I traveled a lot. So Tove was by herself a lot. I was by myself a lot. And so again, kind of going back to the beginning of the conversation of like, you have to make this conscious decision to build your lives together. Right. And it's like, I think that was also just kind of another point of like, look, we, we've got to, we've got to come back together a bit here. Um, in that respect. But I also think like the thing that is also very consistent about Tove and I, as it relates to conflict, like regardless of how bad the conflict is, I'm never like, all right, I'm done. Like we're, we're over. Like I always know that I'm coming back to her, but we need time and we need space, right. To make sense of those things. And that could be a day that could be two months that could be six months. I don't know. But like, we, we just needed those times to that time to kind of reset a little bit and just kind of like get our head back on straight. But I think the juicy bits of fighting, (laughs) George gives the silent treatment. I like to, I want to just like have a blowout, hash it out and move (laughs) on. Like I tend to get over things really easily. Like everyone's always like, I'm not over it. I'm like, well, you should be like, move on. I, I don't that's, a, that's that. a skill. It is, but it's kind of an unfair one. Um, so I can definitely fight. It can feel unfair of like, I will have a meltdown and shout and we can like go at it. And then I'm like, okay, I like, I feel better. And you do too. Right. And he's like, no, absolutely not. We just get started. What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> how long is the silent treatment going to last? Like, how long are we not going to talk to each other? So did you guys have to learn that because those are your fighting styles that George, when you need to go take that space, it's also then your responsibility to reinitiate the communication. <sighs> I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just yeah. feel like that's something that we – we have a similar fighting style where you just shut down and you need space. And I'm like, I want to talk out everything right now. Let's yell and fight and talk. We've had this conversation, which is if you're the one that needs space – it's also then your responsibility to let me know when we can talk again. It's slippery slope too, because, and I think that's where the intentionality and the, the conscious thought about, about those specific things become really important because if she's assuming that I'm going to come back, right, after I've given her the silent treatment and I don't, and we don't talk about that specifically, then that's where like that seed of resentment starts to bloom a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that gets you into trouble right away. And we've been, we've been through that several times, but we went to therapy and, and, and that helped quite a bit. But it's a good point because sometimes I do need my alone time completely. Sure. But during that time, I really do. I'm scared of, of the resentment building. So it's it's good that we've had those conversations because now I know, okay, if I'm going to give you the silent treatment, then it is my job to come back and say, okay, I've had my time to process mm-hmm. and to be by myself. And now here's my chance to whatever it is, apologize or start from where we left off, mm-hmm. nip it in the bud and move the fuck on, you know? So. Yeah. And, and when you've been with someone for a really long time, right, you begin to recognize patterns in the way that you guys argue and the way that you guys fight. Right. And so the conscious like I've got to I've got to get out in front of this and I've got to change the way that I communicate. Right. To ultimately get a different result, because it was like we'd get in a fight and then we'd end up fighting about shit we were fighting about <laughs> years ago. And you're like, wait, yeah. I thought this was a. Mm-hmm. How it was about this, but then how do we get back here? That makes no sense, right? And it's like, well, I've been holding on to that for like two years, and I just thought now was a good time <laughs> yep. to talk about it. And you're like, 
what? And that's a, and it makes complete sense to me, but Tove's like, where the hell did that come from? Right. And so like you do, like you have to be very conscious of those things and how those patterns begin to set in. And then how are you going to break those patterns and how are you going to break the way that you guys communicate with each other? And like, that's where the breakthroughs actually end up happening. Because if you're not careful about those things, that, that stuff then does start to kind of fester in your family dynamic as well. Right. And like our kids are definitely sponges. And if they start to pick up on those things as well, those begin to, you know, form patterns that they have as well. And so like, those are just things and dynamics that you've got to be really conscious of. I think particularly when you've been together, with someone for so long. Right. And like, how do how do you navigate those things? And it's like, well, shit, if every time we fight, this is the conclusion. How how do we change that outcome? Right. Right. Like it's, it's gotta be the way that we communicate with each other, like in the way that we approach each other and the way we finish things. And so I think that is also a really conscious effort, but I also think that's kind of a key to longevity in a relationship, in any relationship. Um, and so you have to be able to recognize those things and acknowledge those things. And sometimes for me, like getting that space allows me the time to make sense of those things and begin to see that. And it's like, oh man, I, I can't approach Tove that way. Right. But then you get into the heat of the moment and you just snap right back into that habit. And so like, those are just, I think that's part of the human struggle, you know, and like continuing to grow and evolve as a person as well. Do you think this is kind of a, a weird, um, it just popped in my head, but do you almost think that the, that children are like, obviously they're a mirror, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. But also, are they also like, almost like a therapist in a way where you can start to see their behavior if their behavior changes? Well, if they're sponges, like, you know, they're getting all of their, a lot of their content, a lot of their learning and growing from you guys. Can you, have you guys, is there a specific time that you can remember where you recognize that maybe you weren't as in of good of a place as you thought you were based on your kid's behavior? Oh, I'm like every yeah. day. <laughs> Kids are, they expose all of your vulnerabilities. Anything that needs work, they will remind you that like it needs more work. And that is, as a parent, can be very overwhelming. I think also partners remind you of that, of like your, they will remind you of your many Achilles, like, and all your white whales and all the things like, and I think that's like, true love in its truest form is like supposed to change you and make you better, but you have to be like just willing to face it. And it's like con- George and the girls are a constant mirror for me of like, okay, maybe I'm not so patient. Maybe I, you know, need to work on this. And also just like all the things that maybe like in my own childhood were things that I didn't think mattered or I chose to make sure they didn't matter. And now they do matter as a parent. It's hard. Cause you're like, do we want to argue in front of our children? Like, do we want them to see us cry? Do we want them to see like what that process is of like forgiveness? And that's a hard thing of like, you, you have, we all have friends who are like, all my parents did ever, like all they did was bicker or I never saw my parents bicker and they got divorced. Like they had this horrible divorce when I was in high, you know? So it's like, you don't know, like what's the line. And I always think it's like who your children are matter. It's less about like following a rule of like how to like rules of engagement, but it's like every little person has their own little will, their own little spirit, their own little needs. And the sooner you can recognize that of like, that has nothing to do with who I was as a little person or who George was and Mm -hmm. our hurts or our successes or the good things that we experienced as children or teenagers or adults, like our little ladies 
need totally different things. And so our little one, you can tell like if there's any familial discord, she gets very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. She gets very overwhelmed. She gets very nervous. She's three and a half. Um, and she's a 2020 baby. She, she was born right when the pandemic started. So she's very into like emotional cues and she will read someone's face. It's very interesting to watch her. So it's like, she tells like when I'm annoyed at night, when I'm like trying to get them to go to bed, she's like, why are you saying it like that? Why do you have that look on your face? And I'm like, <laughs> That's a great, that's great though. Yeah, you know? yeah it's amazing. Like you talk, you feel great. like you're talking to this like little wise, like 35 year old and you're like, okay, you're only three and a half. <laughs> so she needs really different things Sure. when she feels like something's off. And then Hendrix is like very true to form, like a first daughter where she becomes a fixer um, if it is unrelated to her. So she will like crack a joke or like try to smooth things over. Mm. If it's conflict related to her, she's a fiery Sagittarius. So she's, she's going to go for you. <laughs> she's going to like, you're like, she's going <laughs> to confront you and it's going to be a pretty serious confrontation. So it, I think for me, it was like just realizing with the girls of like, we want to be influential and we want to be respected and loved and admired, but not to the point where it's like, we're their whole world. Like I want my girls to just like feel like we're an anchor that like is always there, but not that I'm like swaying them in any way where they like can't feel however they want or think whatever they want in situations, especially when we disagree. But we've also kind of made a decision of like, we lose our cool with them. Like we have moments where we're frustrated. And so we tend to keep our disagreements amongst like in our bedroom or like Mm -hmm. we'll wait till the girls are out of the house or asleep. Like we don't want them to have to navigate that with us. They won't know how. And it's not fair to them. So see us cry, see us disagree, um, see forgiveness. But like I don't want it to be like part of your identity or Mm -hmm. like something you need to like be a part of. Now, was that a muscle? Was that like some, did that take some practice to intentionally like refrain from doing that in front of them? Those things in front of them, like keeping it in the bedroom, like you say, or did it have, or did that happen enough times that you realized like what an effect it had on them? And you were like, Hey, like this, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't really feel like we bicker or fight. Yeah. That often, I was going right? to say. And so like, I don't, I don't really feel like Tova and I have a lot of conflict or the moments that we get annoyed with each other. Yeah. But it's like nothing that we can't get over. And I feel like that's part of just like how long we've been together, right? Of like, all right, I know that thing she does is going to annoy me and I'm going to be pissed off for an hour, but whatever. Like, I just got to keep it moving, right? Because you just like, you realize that those little insignificant things like aren't going to bring the family down. And so you kind of just have to keep navigating it. I mean, we, you know, getting one like knockdown drag out fight a year maybe. Um, But I would say like we, you know, like Tove and I have gotten to a place where we kind of know what each other needs and like, you know, we kind of just move it in our own lanes. Right. Like, and ultimately do the things that support our family. And, and, um, yeah, I don't know. That's really inspiring. Honestly, that's, that's encouraging too. Not to say we're like in a a terrible place or anything, but it's, it's still only seven years for us, you know, like 
the difference between 22 years and seven years is, is, is quite a bit, you know? Yeah. But, but I also think, right. Like in that same breath, like you can't, you can't also take that for granted, oh. right? Like you've got to be able to check in. Yeah. You've got to be able to recalibrate because when you have been with someone that long, they also change, yeah. right? Yeah. Their, their interests change, their needs change, their wants change. And so you also have to be very conscious about being able to check in and like, understand what that change looks like. We all grow and evolve as people. And so, you know, like you hear about that all the time where, oh, we grew up, we grew apart from each other. And, you know, we just you, you couldn't check in and this, that, and the other. And that's, that's difficult when you have kids, right? Because like suddenly your focus on each other really goes to them. And like the time that you have with each other, um, you know, becomes that much shorter. And so it's like you, again, you have to really consciously focus on those things. And like, we don't get a lot of time where it's just us. And so the moments that we do, I mean, damn, we got like 15 minutes together yesterday and that was the best part of our day, right? Where we could just kind of peel out and like talk and chat and check in and make sure we're both doing all right. And then it was kind of like back to business. Right. But like, even those little moments, you've got to cherish those. And like, you've got to take what you can from those moments. Um, and cherish them. Right. And so it becomes more about, um, the quality of, of the conversation and how you guys connect versus talking all the damn time. Right. And so I think that is another aspect of like just the maturation of a relationship and a marriage for sure. Yeah. I'll say that our listeners so far have been really interested in like navigating these like very common things. Like we only have 24 hours in a day. We need to sleep and eat and go to work and do these things. Mm-hmm. So I was going to take us down like a time thing. Yeah. How do you manage your time? You touched on it a little bit earlier, George, around like you have these priorities. Mm-hmm. You have these things that really need to happen. How do you organize your time and manage your time to get these nuanced things like spending time with each other, spending time with your girls, spending time on the business? Also like – it seems like you probably obviously, I would assume you appreciate time more. Did you actually, you said you had 15 minutes yesterday with each other. Yeah. It's not a lot of time. And I'm like, gosh, we have so much fucking time together, dude. That's true. And we, you know, we, we do end up taking that for granted because of that. But, um, yeah, sorry. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you answer that question. I, I don't, you know, I wouldn't say there's any, any magic bullet to that. Like, I feel like as soon as we drop our girls off at eight 30, it's like a countdown till three o'clock. Right. And so it's like, you just have to do everything that you can in between that time to make shit happen. Right. And so whether it's work, whether it's marriage, whether it's friends, like that's it. Like I tell all my friends now, I'm like, you need to catch me for lunch during the week because you ain't catching me on the weekends. Like it just doesn't work that way anymore. Like I don't, I don't have that free time. But again, going back to what I was saying earlier, like I spend my time how I want to spend my time now. Right. And so like, if I'm not working, on my business, I'm with my family. And if I'm not with my family, I'm working on my business. And, you know, I get a little bit of a snippet there for friends. But for me, like, those are the, the 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 focuses of my time right now. And that's how I have to split my time. And I never feel like I have enough of it. Um, but in the same breath, like, I've, I've got to be as efficient as I can. And I think that's something that Tove and I talk about a lot of, like, we just need more structure. Um, I come from a background where, you know, for the vast majority of my early life, like I was told where I needed to be, when I needed to be there. I had itineraries for everything. And like the last decade of my life, it's like, all that's gone out of the window. Right. Um, but we still managed to, to get everything done that we need to. And I don't know, I don't necessarily feel that time poor that often. Like I, I do, cherish the time that I have, you know, and, and 
you know, it's it's a blessing every day that we get a chance to wake up and like do what we want to do. And I think as an entrepreneur specifically, like the amount of freedom and flexibility that you get with that lifestyle is incredible. There's been so many times where our girls are just sick and one of us has to be home or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, I mean, time is difficult to manage, but you just kind of have to spend it the way you want, in my opinion. Yeah. I feel like something, the weeks I'm the happiest, well, first and foremost, there's a fixation on productivity. I think it's like uniquely American because I have friends from other countries that are like, you guys are crazy. And when I'm with them, I feel like my energy is like very frenetic and I'm kind of embarrassed because I'm like, send exclamation marks in my messages. And they're like, just, you know, living their best lives so casual. And I'm like, what's, what's going on in there? Like, you're not stressed like I am. Um, but I feel like when I'm the happiest, it's less about like what I accomplished each day. And it's more like for the week, did I do something creative? Did I do like nothing and without guilt or shame? Did I do something that's like, just makes me happy? Like, watch a trashy show or like a ridiculous movie, which we did last night and it was great. Um, did I like do something like truly like that was for the family that maybe was like selfless? Um, but it like, I know that it made them happy. And when I feel like I can kind of look back on my week of like, okay, Monday I did these things. Like I spent time with my friends and Tuesday I did like, got through my list of work stuff, all like for the full seven days, that makes me really happy. Like I feel really, really good because we all keep searching for this like magic, you know, like I've read Atomic Habits. I loved it. Like I've read all the books, like time blocking, all this stuff, all the podcasts, we all do. And it's like, who has the magic then? Like, cause if we're all searching for the answer, like, I think that even the people that are like disseminating the information maybe don't quite have the answer. Mm. But I think it's like less time on like the 24 hours and it's like more time for creativity, like more time to have like a romantic, like relationship with your partner, more time for yourself. Like, I think that that is underappreciated and undervalued in our culture of like, you can just be by yourself and that's great. Um, Like giving back to your community. Like what, how many of us can say that we actually did anything for our community in a week? Sure. Um, But I, I feel like that's been kind of like my secret sauce. And do I do that every week? Absolutely not. But that's like my goal. That's like what's in my my book every like new moon. That's like what I focus on like every year. Like these are the things that I would like to do to feel my best. I like that perspective. Okay. So zooming out a bit from just the two of you, talking a little bit more broadly about Mm -hmm. the community around you, how has that development looked over the years and what does it kind of look like now for you? And that could be anything. That could be a business community. That could be your friendship community. That could be your family community. I think in our early 20s and, I mean, like teens, 20s, a lot of friends, Um, which I love. Like we have an amazing, like very diverse, very hilarious friend group. And 
we are wild when we get together. Like, I think our wedding was like such a great example of like, it was great. Like we had friends, like I had friends like from childhood, George had like tons of his, um, like Lobo football friend. Like it was just such a great like collision of people. Like we all had a blast for like a week leading up to the wedding. Um, and our friends have like, I miss them all so much. And most of our friends who are raising kids are elsewhere. So a lot of friends we have here don't have children, mm-hmm. which that's totally fine. But sometimes it's hard to like explain like, hey, okay, it's fun, but it's eight o'clock and that's past our girl's bedtime. Like you got to get out of our house. Like you got to go home. Um, and friends with kids are like, they're going to stay up or like we get it and see you later. So we're going to hang out like four to seven. So I feel like now it's our community is like our family of origin, um, which is really nice because they want to be around their grandchildren. I don't feel personally fulfilled by that. Like it's nice to be like, I love my sister. We're very, very close. But beyond that, um, I sometimes feel like it's like very much like a thing for our girls, mm-hmm. which is, that's okay. I realize like, that's okay. And as far as like business community, the older we get, and it's funny cause like we're working on two things right now together. We have no interest in going to like the happy hours or like networking events. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like the older I get, the less I want of that. Mm. Of like, call me up. I will mm. go one on one and hang out with you. But I have zero desire to go to an event and like schmooze with people and exchange business cards. And so I feel like our community is a little more thoughtful. Do you feel like that in the business realm because you had a period where you did that and your business is more established now? So you kind of – you know the direction. You feel more comfortable or do you think that's just simply you're more mature now and you want to be more intentional with the people you give your time to? I think it's the latter for yeah. sure for me. And it's like it's just a, also a learned skill of like I know who I want to meet with and who I need to talk mm-hmm. to. And like that's where I'm going to focus my time, right? And that's where I'm going to spend my time. Um, and it's less about – you know, going to the network event, networking events and constantly having your hand in your pocket and ready to give that next person the next card and all of those things. And I think early on in your career, when you're working to build a network, those things are really critical. But I think as you do mature um, and just the dynamics in life change, like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend from 4 to 6 p.m. on a Tuesday at a happy hour, like yucking it up with a bunch of people I don't know. And so like, you know, people, well, what about you miss? You're going to miss an opportunity and this, that and the other. And it's like, so be it. Like, I'd rather spend the afternoon with my girls. Like, that's the opportunity that is fulfilling me, not going to this thing. Um, and then I will say as well, just like from our community, I mean, I used to be super dialed in uh, all the, you know, economic development meetings and this, that, and the other. And, and that stuff also just got exhausting after a while. Right. Um, but I would say like for my friend group, you know, I'm still very close with all the guys I played college football with. And like my friend group hasn't really changed. And although we all live <laughs> in different corners of the country now, like we still text all the time and they're having kids and they're getting married. And so like being able to share those experiences with them and these people that I know really, really well. And just when we were in our twenties and we we're doing crazy stuff and now we're dads and you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's a lot to be said for that. But in the same breath, like one thing I'm really excited to do um, as well is start to develop a bit more community around like our girls school, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
that, you know, the pandemic happened right as Hendrix went into school. And so like that kind of shut a lot of that stuff down. And like a few months ago, we went to our first like parent thing at the school and, you know, that was incredible. And so I think like that would be the next aspect of our community. And, you know, it's not so much about our time anymore. It's also about how our girls need to be spending their time and like socializing them and getting them in an environment where they can see adults interacting together in a healthy way and they're interacting with their friends. And so I think that is also a dynamic that begins to shift as you get older and as you have kids, right? Like, yeah, I want to spend my time the way that I want to spend my time, but I also have to think about, you know, developing this little person and like their social skills and just how they navigate things and and all of those things. And I do think Part of it is modeling healthy behaviors as adults and relationships in those aspects. And so to me, that's also a very conscious thought, um, you know, when I'm interacting with my girls, when I'm interacting with other parents like that, that has to also serve as as I think a roadmap for your kids as well. Um, so, yeah, I think one thing we've realized that's missing um, is that and we noticed this when we lived in Long Beach, it was one of the reasons we loved of like. It was so family friendly and there was such great community. Like there were events at the park and families knew each other and it was really walkable. And I think that's something that we've kind of picked up. Like we are really craving that of there isn't a lot of that in the city and we're down in the North Valley, which is great. And you have a lot of space, you get a lot of land, but there's very few kids in the neighborhood and our girls don't play with them. Mm. Um, and that is intentional, but. So that is intentional? It is. Yeah. And so, you know, like you always want to be cautious as a parent of like where your kids are going, who they're with. And that includes like all members of someone's family, but it's like the city sometimes does not feel family friendly and that is tough. And so as we like our parents of, toddlers, young children were kind of, or a toddler and a a young kid were realizing like, we need that. Like we, beyond their school, beyond our family, like it would be nice to be like in a neighborhood or a surrounding area that offered that Mm -hmm. to the family. And it was like accessible. So it didn't require us driving. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the one thing that we've enjoyed most about Denver. I think together we can agree that like we've made a lot of friends just from living in close quarters with people in the apartment and we can walk everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, we got to like, we got to walk, we got to like drive to get groceries or if we want to go to like the big stores, we have to drive. But like when we're here, we're driving like 300 miles a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, it's so easy to to not talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. You can go to like four stores and not run into anybody. Not, well, maybe not in Albuquerque, but it's very easy to not talk to people. And it's the community is just like not encouraged effortlessly because there's so much space in between everybody. And with Denver, it's like, damn, like we have made like, you know, so many friends just from running into them all the time because we're in the same space and, you know, walking, getting exercise, those things are really important. And so like space just becomes such a, such a, an issue or a concern, you know? So what are you guys, what are you guys going to, what do you guys want to do? What do you, what are you going to do? What are you thinking about doing to, to cultivate that community? I guess you're saying, obviously you want to, you want to focus on the school, right? The, the, the family and friends around school. Yeah, I am. It's not called PTA. It's called soulmates, but I am the new chair. (laughs) What is that? A soulmate? Yeah. It's at the girls school. So it's essentially like PTA. So that's that's so romantic. Yes. (laughs) I know. Soulmates. I call them my mates, but that's been nice. So it's like, I'm going to plan a little outing where all the families can get together. We can have like a little picnic at the park. I think school, the, you know, 
as far as like how the city is developed, like we can't do anything about that. Like that's just, it is what it is. We've, you know, talked about like moving to other neighborhoods or kind of like looking beyond Albuquerque for kind of like our future needs of like, if it really does bother us, like we probably need to do something about it. Um, Cause I don't know if it's something the city will ever master, like because of how it's built um, and just like, it, it's just a problem. Like, it's a spacious state, which is why people love it and people move here. And I totally understand that and get the appeal. But when you have lived or been to places like Denver or like pockets of LA or, you know, anywhere really, you're like, oh, that is what makes it so remarkable and so amazing that it's like you can be in that community and thrive and live and enjoy yourself and meet other people. So I think school and I think also just like we, because of pandemic, kind of like paused on having people over and hosting events. And so we've kind of felt eager to kind of get back to that of having more things at our house and having people over. Yeah. And I think that's one thing Tove and I haven't really mentioned throughout this entire conversation, but that is all like, we've always kind of been the rock of our friend groups, right? Like we always had the functions. We always hosted everything. Like we're always cooking, like that was that was a huge part of our community and like our friend circle um and that is one thing i think we both miss that like we need to get back to kind of coming out of the pandemic because even for our family right like you know we're really the only ones who are married on both sides and like we we became kind of the matriarch and patriarch of our family and so all the holidays you know were happening at our hike all of those things and so that stuff is really really important to us as well um and so getting back to that i think is you know something that we need to do for sure it's got to be somebody right like to to start it's got to be somebody to has to be you know yep and we've and i think that's part of the reason why we started the podcast too is like I've always felt, and I, may, I think maybe you feel a little bit, but just like even living here, we, we've we've built a community. I think it took leaving Albuquerque to realize that we have actually a pretty a pretty tight community here. But like I'm, all, I've always almost felt like I'm always almost on the outside looking in at a community, and I feel like I've never been really a part of one. And it's like, well, dude, like start your own, yeah. create your own, yeah. you know. And if if no one would have if no one would have done the you know um, the PTA would. Would it have ever happened? Was it already a thing? Like, do you think about? Do you think it was about already a thing? thing? Oh, it was already a thing. <laughs> I, can't, right. I can't take full credit. Right, but these events. It was like a defunct thing. But yes. the events, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it's like I just bring different experience and interests, so it's like it'll feel different to the people who are participating. Um, but yeah, I I think it's. I have had that similar experience of like, sometimes I can be ungrateful of like, I had the thing all along and I didn't realize, or like it was good and it didn't need to be fixed. And so for me, it's like, what's, what's like missing? What is making me not appreciate it or wanting more else or whatever it is. And so I often have to pause of like, okay, this concern with community. It's like, you know, we do miss our friends and we've been friends with them for so long. Like some of these like my best friend, we've been in each other's lives since we were eight. She's in LA with her family and we see each other maybe like two or three times a year at best. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, George's best friend's also in California and we see them like twice a year. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, maybe we need to travel more. Maybe we need to meet up more. Like we've all talked about like renting a huge Airbnb and getting together and kids are welcome. Like, 
you know, like the guys want to take a trip or the girls want to take a trip. Well, that's not always accessible for everyone. So like thinking in a new way of like, how can we vacation as families? And maybe it's not like everyone's going, maybe it's like only two or three families, but um, you know, taking what we have and it's like, it's good, but like if we could just tweak it slightly. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. As we wrap up, I like to pull out like themes and tangible things that listeners can take away. Mm-hmm. Something that stood out to me so far in this conversation was values mm-hmm. and being best friends with the person you're married to. Mm-hmm. I think that's something people overlook often, but there, if there were other things that you could recommend to someone getting married, someone starting a business with their spouse, starting a family, maybe doing all of it. What are some of those tips that you're like, this is the foundation of what's created our success or got us through those hardships Mm. being 20 years deep? (laughs) I think for me, be willing to forgive someone, Mm. mostly yourself. Mm. Okay. Um, I think we talk a lot about like giving other people grace and forgiving other people, but we never talk about that for ourselves. Um, Be willing to let someone grow and evolve. Try not to take anything personal. Even when someone's upset with you, like even when you have wronged someone or you have hurt someone, like just hear what they're saying. And that has been like my greatest thing of like, just listen to George or just listen to my girls of like, because they're actually talking about like this thing made me feel this way. And oftentimes mm-hmm. we hear that and we're like immediately like you're thinking of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing, you know, like if you are going to embark on this adventure of like life with someone, get married or have like a, a partnership with them and have kids and have a business or have mutual pursuits, um, you have to kind of know who you are, who you want to be, and who you're willing to be. And also the same for this person you're doing all of these things with. So um, it'll probably look different from year one to year 22. <laughs> and that is beautiful. Like if you, you know, by the grace of God, have that much time on earth, like, you know, amazing. And if you get to do it with one person, like there's so much like love and growth and opportunity in that. But I think I would say like my top things are like forgiveness, grace and like evolution. Yeah. I mean, I would say something very similar. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about just making conscious decisions to build a life together. Right. And what that looks like. But I also think as Toad was saying, like you've also got to be able to give that person space and time to become the person that they want to become. Right. And I think, you know, there was a, a a certain point in our relationship where Tove just kind of like, she didn't let me, she didn't let me go, but it was kind of like, all right, man, like you just kind of got to figure, figure your shit out and like, go do that thing. And I feel like at that point, like that was actually a really healthy thing for me. Um, because it did allow me to evolve and become into the person, like come into the person that I am today. And she gave me that space. And it was less about like, this is what I need you to become. Like it was more about like, go become what you want to become. Right. And I think once she gave me that freedom, like, I don't know, I just, that, that changed the dynamic of our relationship and just gave me a completely different level of respect for her. Um, and you know, she has always embraced 
who I am and what I love and, and all those things, even if she didn't necessarily like those things the same way that I did, like she always gave me the space to embrace those things. And I think that was really helpful. And as long as the things that you're doing, like aren't detrimental to yourself personally and your relationship, then like, I think you're on a good path, but you have to be able to give space, people space to grow and change. Because I think oftentimes, like we have this very specific picture of what we want our partner to be. Um, and, we, we drive them to be that, but sometimes that's not who they necessarily want to be. And so I think you have to give them the space to become who they want to be and the freedom to become who they want to be. Right. Like we talk about that a lot with our girls of like, you know, we're kind of just like a riverbank. Right. And like, we, we got to keep them in line, but like they're free to go where they want to go, but we've just got to be able to keep them in, 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 in bounds. Um, and I think that's kind of the same type of respect you have to extend to your partner for sure. Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> Wrap it up. We want to respect your time. Thank you guys yeah. so much. I really, I think we could do this all day. Yeah, yeah I sure. love it. But yeah, that's we'll, great. We'll call it there. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank thanks, you guys. guys. Thank you. you, Sam and I want to thank you so much for listening to Something More Human. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to support us, there are plenty of no cost, minimal effort ways you can do so. For starters, you can subscribe to the show on your favorite listening platform. You can leave us a five-star review, drop us a comment with a topic you'd like to hear us discuss in an upcoming episode, and you can also keep up with us on Instagram and TikTok. Give us a follow there at something more human. Thanks so much. Thank you.